Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Okay, got it. So, uh, hi everyone. My name is Michelle. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been in program exclusively in secular meetings for a little more than a year and a half. I consider myself somebody with a good amount of imperfect recovery, uh, definitely experiencing some recovery, but lots of room still for growth and deeper recovery. I'm 55 years old now. And the first time I remember being unable to stop eating something, I was probably seven years old. And the food, strangely enough, was chewable children's vitamins. I was sleeping over at my best friend's house and my friend's mother had given a vitamin to each of her two children. And that was their, their daily routine. And she gave me one just to be nice because I was there. And um, then she set the bottle on the counter and I kept going back and getting more and then a few more and then a few more. This was a strict household where the kids said yes, ma'am and no ma'am to everything. And I knew that I would be in big trouble when they found out. I knew those were not my vitamins. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was very weird and sort of shameful. And I still could not stop with just the dumb little chewable vitamins. So amazingly, I don't know how, but I never got in trouble for that. Nobody ever even called me out. I was seriously lucky. Uh, and I ate at least half the bottle. Um, then by the time I was eight, I was pretty sure that I was fat and doctors and parents assured me that I was not. Today, I can look at pictures that prove I definitely was not, but nothing could convince me otherwise. And so a doctor gave me a diet plan for me to follow saying I should just eat that way until I didn't feel chubby anymore. Uh, and it was a very typical diet of the time with very bland and colorless food, lots of grapefruit, um, felt like punishment. And it was really the first of many diets that would only get more extreme and more desperate over the years. I'm absolutely certain my mom had food issues as well. Sometimes she'd put me in the car for a special girls outing and she'd buy us each a particular kind of sugary treat and we would eat it in the car. She'd swear me to secrecy. Uh, she wanted everyone to think that she was strictly following her diet, which um, sometimes included um, like a liquid diet plan with, you know, drink mixes that doctors would send her home with. I don't remember her ever being obese, but pretty sure she maintained a healthy weight through you know, unhealthy means. Um, when I was nine, <clears throat> my parents divorced. My mother moved us out of state to live with our eccentric stepfather, and he had multiple addictions and bipolar disorder that were yet to be diagnosed. What we did know was just that life became very unpredictable. Our parents weren't home a lot. Uh, we were left in a house stocked with just absurd amounts of junk food and no accountability for when or if or how much we ate. And then on nights when my mom was home, she would invite me to bake something with her. Um, which we would devour right out of the oven while everyone else slept. And in those years, uh, I also was being regularly sexually abused by an older stepbrother and the house just never felt safe, never felt normal. I was a preteen and my body issues were definitely reflected in my growing food issues. So by the time I was 13, I was definitely carrying extra weight. 
Um, but I made the freshman cheerleading squad. So I spent the summer between eighth and ninth grade dieting and losing 25 pounds, uh, which I did by uh, limiting myself to 500 calories a day on most days, except for cheat days. And there were a lot of cheat days because if I had multiple days of adhering to 500 calories a day, uh, I was so sullen and grumpy that my mom would threaten to hold me down and force feed me if I didn't shape up. Uh, it was a crazy difficult summer, but the reward was, uh, starting the school year, looking great in my cheerleading uniform. And then, it, uh, you know, inevitably the weight started to come back on. But that year, my mom and stepdad discovered a multi-level marketing scheme that was built around a 300 calorie liquid diet. And the company had a cult-like culture and pretty soon it just dominated our entire family life. Uh, somehow during this time, my mom convinced a doctor to wire her jaws shut for a couple of months. And I think now how dangerous that was and what kind of doctor would agree to do that. But she did it and she followed that liquid diet and she got shockingly underweight. Uh, my parents made gobs of money, took us on big trips, but the whole time I felt this sense of shame. I knew that there was something wrong with me because I could not stick to that liquid diet, those 300 calories for more than a day or two, maybe three days at a time. And my weight was constantly up and down. I finished high school a year early and moved away to college, which actually got me four really good years of sanity. People talk about the freshman 15 and people remember college being hard for them food wise a lot of times. But uh, I had the opposite experience. I lived off campus. I did not have access to dorm food. I was more active. I ate sensibly, largely because I had a you know, very limited budget. I kept a healthy weight with very little food drama through those four years. I think it also helped that I had roommates who modeled normal food behavior that I hadn't seen at home. Uh, and then I graduated and I started working in television news. I was on camera. So suddenly tens of thousands of people were entitled to express their opinions about my clothes and my hair and my weight. And I had a contract that required me to maintain the weight I was hired at, which was a struggle. My weight was up and down all the time, wildly swinging. Uh, so I worked for one station that when I would gain weight, they would send me to one of their advertisers who was a doctor who had yet another liquid diet plan. Uh, so I was on that uh, off and on quite a lot. So eventually, I, you know, I decided to leave all the stress and the scrutiny of TV news. And when I left, I just sort of gave up the weight battle and I gained at least 60 pounds that first year. Um, later on though, I would go and have really good periods of sanity, sometimes years at a time when I was active and I maintained a healthy weight and I didn't have a lot of drama around food, but it would never last. Somehow I'd always just um, go splat on my face again. Um, so I am five foot four. And when I turned 50 years old, I was 240 pounds. I was suffering from PTSD. I was medicating myself every day with booze. And in my extreme calorie conscious wisdom, I had switched to drinking straight shots of liquor because they have fewer calories than other kinds of booze. Uh, I was just sick of myself. I was sick of hearing myself not keep my own promises. So I started treatment. I actually had a relatively easy time getting sober. And, um, I only went to one traditional 12-step meeting. The religious aspects though felt really alien to me. 
And after that, I found a Buddhist-oriented recovery group. I developed a mindfulness practice that helped me get some better recovery, I think really aided my recovery from both the trauma and the alcohol. So four years later, I was still sober. I had dropped some weight because my lifestyle was healthier, but my relationship with food was still unhealthy. And I was trying all the time to address it. My alcohol recovery had been so relatively successful that I kept trying to apply those same tools to my food issues and I was having no success and I didn't understand why. Um, for me, I reached this same breaking point that I had reached with food. I was, I, that I had reached with alcohol. Um, I couldn't keep my own word, even to myself. I'd promise myself I won't do that again and then I would do it again. And I was just sick of myself. I was sick of hearing myself say things and make promises that I didn't keep. And around that time, as luck would have it, I went to urgent care with something totally unrelated. It was a skin issue. And I happened to mention my weight loss and my frustrations with the doctor. And she told me she was a longtime OA member and that she had lost about 100 pounds and had kept them off. And this woman did not look like someone who had ever struggled <laughs> with anything. I tried to imagine her with 100 extra pounds and I couldn't. Uh, I had just never seen this kind of recovery in anyone. And it was what I wanted. I was convinced that that was the program that I needed. Um, I came home, I looked up OA meetings. This was during the pandemic, so they were all online. And then I found that I had the same reaction to traditional 12-step meetings. The religious talk felt alien to me. I knew I needed this program. I wanted to stick it out, but I was sure that at some point, especially if I reached a point of you know, feeling frustrated, uh, that the religious aspect would possibly become a barrier to me feeling completely at home in a fellowship. So I started searching online for secular alternatives, and that's when I found secular overeaters. Started attending as many secular meetings as I could possibly find in those early days and was really fortunate to get a secular sponsor early on who helped me start working the steps. Because even with four years of sobriety at that time, I had never worked the steps. I had done a Buddhist program that didn't use the steps. And with all of that, it, it took me several months to get any good stretch of abstinence uh, from overeating, continued working with my sponsor and meeting every week, working the steps, delving into my personality defaults, the ways my life had become unmanageable, really naming my red light, yellow light, green light foods, sometimes changing that list through trial and error. And I slowly started to feel some sanity around food and started to feel like I can really get some recovery. And six months into the program, it was June, 2021, began the hardest year of my life. Uh, my birthday's in June and on my birthday in that June, my dog very suddenly died. My grandmother was in the hospital and fell out of her wheelchair and broke her neck, had to come home on hospice care. Two days later, I had a biopsy and learned that I had invasive breast cancer. After several surgeries in, we learned that the cancer had spread to my lymph nodes. Um, by that time, I was about 60 pounds lighter than I had been at my highest weight, but my BMI was still slightly in the obesity range. And learning that I had this cancer diagnosis, uh, I read that obesity and excessive alcohol can increase our chances of getting breast cancer, which gave me a lot to process. Uh, essentially, I came to realize that while I had spent the last four years of my life getting my health in order, maybe it was too late because I had cancer.
And maybe I would have gotten the cancer in any case. We all know plenty of people who are not obese and who have not abused alcohol who get cancer, but I certainly had given cancer the upper hand. And then I knew that I was going to be facing extensive treatment and my sponsor and I weren't sure if I would really be able to keep working the program or even if I would want to. We didn't know if I'd be okay with her seeing me bald on Zoom every week. We didn't know if I would feel up to meeting and continuing our work and um, would I be able to work the steps. I didn't know what to expect, how sick I would be, what my energy level would be, but I also had this sense of urgency. I knew that now any amount of recovery I could get, any closer I could get to being in a healthy weight range would decrease my chances of having the cancer come back. Couldn't do anything about the fact that it was there. I could make myself as healthy as possible to keep it from coming back after treatment. So I stuck with it and my sponsor stuck with me. Of course, there were a few times I was sick, I was in the hospital, I was recovering from a procedure and we'd skip a meeting, but those were the exceptions. We kept going every week meeting uh, throughout treatment. And I did an entire year of treatment that just ended this past June. I did almost six months of chemo, six weeks of radiation, multiple surgeries. And during that time, I was consistent with my eating plan. I was so dedicated to healthy eating and working my program and the weight did not come off. I had this old TV movie idea that chemo patients lose a lot of weight because they're sick all the time, but chemo patients now are fortunate. We get a cocktail of steroids and anti-nausea medicines and they keep most of those symptoms at bay, but they can also cause some weight gain. So I had a real crisis, like wondering why I was even working so hard at this uh, and doubting whether it was working for me. And um, I decided then that what I needed to do was focus on this period of time being about getting solid nutrition, being as healthy as possible, and focusing on my emotional and spiritual recovery. Um, so then I really had to learn to define what was my higher power. And um, earlier as my sponsor and I worked the steps, I still, you know, was kind of playing with, with that definition. And ultimately I've turned to my higher power being a combination of sort of a secular read on Buddhist teachings and then the collective hope and wisdom of the fellowship and people who have gone before me. So year, year of treatment that started in that horrible June when everything fell apart all at once. I ended this year, this June. And just as I was finishing treatment, I got a text from my mom saying that uh, she had been diagnosed with cancer and she was starting treatment. She was starting chemo and radiation at the same time. And our relationship had really fractured over the years. I hadn't seen her in more than five years. Uh, and we had a few conversations and during one of those, she made amends. Um, she told me that she knew she hadn't been the mother I needed. Um, mostly though, we talked about cancer treatment. I gave her advice on, you know, getting through what she was embarking on and I was just finishing it. My hair was starting to grow in, hers was starting to fall out. So I mailed her my best wig named Thelma and she texted me a picture of herself wearing Thelma. And then um, she got very weak and she checked herself into the hospital. And for reasons I, I don't know, um, she died very suddenly, 4th of July weekend. Uh, so my first binge buddy, my sometimes nemesis, my mom was gone very suddenly, just as we had started to repair our relationship a little bit and the meter ran out and there were no more chances. Uh, left me with 
so much to process. And that's when my sponsor suggested something that never would have occurred to me. I talked with my sponsor several days after my mom died and I still hadn't cried. I can figure out what I felt. Um, and my sponsor suggested that I 12 step the problem. So I got out that PDF and it's available on the website and I started writing and the tears came and I had a chance to make some peace with how she had hurt me and how I had undoubtedly hurt her explore what my role had been in all of the upsets that we had had over the years and explore my feelings of guilt and confusion. Like, why am I still living with this cancer thing? And it took her out in a matter of weeks. Um, the steps helped me realize that ultimately I'm powerless over all of those things, but that I, I have to trust in some universal truths and in the collective hope and wisdom of all of us who've suffered similar losses before and who have come out of it okay, have found a way through it. I knew ultimately that it'll be okay. And probably for the first time in my life, I have a healthy, non-destructive way of processing that loss. And that's not to say that I'm navigating this loss in a pristine way because I'm not uh, necessarily, uh, my navigation has been imperfect, but I'm landing on my feet knowing that um, I'm much healthier at it than I would have been without program and the accountability and the support that I get through the program. And even when I flail a little, I trust that the flailing is all part of the process. So with my program, here's what works for me in normal times and very abnormal times. I do use a nutrition tracker. I know that's not a good idea for everyone, but here's what it does for me. I have health concerns now, and this helps me monitor my key intake of some key nutrients. Uh, in particular, I have a goal of 60 grams of plant-based protein every day. And so 60 grams of plant-based is something that you, it's not going to happen automatically. You have to work it. And um, so that helps me track it. And it keeps me from wondering if my addict brain is lying to me because I have the numbers in front of me. I either did or didn't eat, you know, the right amount and the right things. A nutritionist told me a healthy calorie range to shoot for. And um, if I have ended the day not eating more or less than a healthy calorie range for someone my size, and I've gotten the proper nutrients, I consider myself abstinent. And through this regular tracking, of course, I've settled into some routines, some meals that I repeat most days, and that makes the tracking, you know, sort of automatic in, in most days. But when I start to struggle with cravings or weird food behaviors, I get more diligent with my tracking. What also works for me is I've started sponsoring. I do have two sponsees, which is plenty for where I am right now, but it gives me an extra sense of accountability. Um, I've also gone back to something I was do, doing pre-pandemic and pre-cancer, which is um, volunteering at a prison, leading mindfulness meditations. And that's a bit like sponsoring for me because I've learned that when I'm teaching or leading or mentoring, uh, that's the best way for me to strengthen my own practice and my own program. I feel an extra level of responsibility because it's not just for me, it's for anyone that I'm also trying to support. And since I finished all my cancer treatment, uh, I did indeed drop a few pounds, right? So the scales are starting to move in the right direction again, now that I'm not being poisoned and burned on a weekly basis. 
So I feel a sense of accomplishment for having gotten through the hardest year of the year of my life. Absolutely. Um, while working on my recovery at the same time, I got through cancer treatment. I set healthy boundaries, especially because people hear you have cancer. The first thing they want to do is start sending food and delivering meals. And I let everyone know uh, I am on a particular eating plan for my health. Don't feed me. You can walk me. You can give me tea. Don't feed me. Um, and only my sister had a hard time hearing that. Um, but, you know, it seemed like almost a cruel joke six months into recovery, getting that cancer diagnosis. Um, but it ended up feeling like, a, you know, sort of a gift from some kind of spiritual realm that I don't even believe in. It gave me some guideposts to navigate by. And I'm grateful to the program for that. So that's my 20 minutes with that. I will pass. Thank you all for listening.